Welcome to Dubs OT, your weekly Warriors podcast on thesportsvirus.com. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Woodson and Joe Castellano. Well, Ray, right from the get-go, the Warriors had trouble with the Mavericks, and it was funny because, you know, Dallas played a game against Sacramento, and, uh, you know, on this road trip, they were down 20-3, to came back and made that an interesting game. This time, I think they were intent that they were going to play really well in the first quarter. They did, and the Warriors just never really had a chance in this game. Well, Steve Kerr proclaimed that before the game it was their biggest game of the year, and the Warriors were like, uh, okay, cool. Uh, what time is tip? 7-10? <laughs> no. It was, it was a half hour earlier. <laughs> they played like they thought this game was going to start later, and by the time they were paying attention, it was over. Uh, you see this once in a while that a game is decided in the first quarter in the NBA, and when you give up a 28 to nothing run, you're not going to win. You're down 39 to 12, and that's that. They're not talented enough to come back from that. Some teams are. They're not. And so, uh, you know, I guess it was their biggest game of the year because presumably had they won, maybe they threatened for the sixth spot. But I don't think this team was ever going to be good enough to really threaten for this sixth spot. They are the 500. They are the most 500 500 team I've ever seen. <laughs> I was going to try to say 500 ist, and I, that wasn't going to work out. So I, I backed. I pulled the ripcord on that Joe, and I went to the the most 500 of any 500 team you've ever seen. I mean, and that's what they are. Um, you know, I we've seen them long enough this year. There's only 10 games left in the year. They they barely gone under or above 500 during that time. Now, they, I think they have a chance maybe to, to pull a couple, a couple of games ahead of 500, and I think the best-case scenario for them is to try to get the seventh spot if they can. Uh, it looks pretty good for the 10 spot at this point, but, uh, you know, I, I Sacramento winning last night, New Orleans is, is still there. I mean, there's about a three-and-a-half game gap. Uh, that's going to be a lot to make up in 10 games. So I'm thinking the Warriors are in a play-in game at this point, uh, it, Portland is going to be tough to catch at number seven. So I, I guess that was the biggest game, but realistically, the biggest thing for them now is just to preserve the playoff spot. And they, they play 500 ball in the next 10 games. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. They kind of remind me of the San Francisco giants a few years back where they were a, just literally a 500 team. Anytime they would get two or three games above they would lose two or three games there just to drop right at 500, and that's the way this team is. I mean, the minute you think they're playing really well and they're beating really good teams, playing excellent basketball, that's when they throw a stinker at you. And, I mean, generally when they have a stinker, I think, Ray, it's that they're plagued by, you know, these sloppy passes. You know, first quarter, they're missing shots, of course, but they're also making really sloppy passes, and it just looks like they're completely out of it. And if Steph Curry isn't setting the world on fire, they're going to have games like this. And, he, you know, he definitely isn't. He, You know, the last couple of games, he, he's going to put up his, his numbers, but I, I don't think he's having the same, uh, you know, streak that he, that he had coming in to the last few, last couple of games uh, because, you know, the, the guy's a human being. Every once in a while, he's going to kind of play average, and when that happens, they just can't handle it. I saw Jalen Rose on the NBA coverage the other day talking about the top three MVP candidates, and the name Steph Curry did not emerge from his mouth. That's crazy. And I still can't understand that. Yeah. I mean, this team is nowhere near a playoff team, and, and again, we have a play-in game this year, so that makes it a little different. But 
all things considered, I don't see how you don't consider him for a, for a play for a MVP uh, nod. I mean, they are nothing without him. They're last year's team without him. Uh, so it's it's highly dependent on one player, and that's worked to an extent. I mean, if they're going to go anywhere this year, Steph was going to take him there, and the run he had was was historic. Uh, and it shows you the, the the motor that Steph Curry has and the desire to win no matter what the situation. He's going to go out there and he's going to go all out. But, you know, you can't always depend on the one guy to get it done for you. But on this team, they have to. I mean, he's the most talented player by far. Uh, when it's not clicking for him, defenses are, are crashing on him or you're turning the ball over and you're wasting possessions, uh, you're in a bad way. Um, you know, they, they, they have a team that, uh, you know, is one tier with Steph Curry, and then there's another tier with Wiggins and Oubre, I suppose, and Draymond Green, and then it's a huge fall-off. And once in a while, a guy rises up, has a good game. I love what Juan Toscano-Anderson has been doing with this team, and I hope they sign him. They should. Yeah. Uh, he, I think he's going to be a good part of their culture for next year, no matter what happens. But that's what they are. And so when you're that dependent on on somebody like Curry, as great as he can be, you're only going to go so far. Yeah, so, man. you know, I mean, it, dangerous in a playing game for sure. Because if he goes on a heater, they're going to beat somebody. For a, a long playoff series, you know, that's going to be a lot tougher. And you know, they they win the uh, the playing round and they end up with Utah. Uh, you know, they played Utah very well, but I just don't see him beating him in the series. Neither do I. And I think, you know, we've been talking about this all year, how they need more consistency out of Wiggins and Oubre, and they just don't get it because those guys, they can give you a great game. And I think Oubre lately had been playing well, especially coming off the bench. It seemed like it was it was suiting him. But then he throws in a clunker like this one, and Wiggins too. I mean, yeah. those guys just were not on their game at all uh, together. I don't know if that's happened very often where both of them were so bad. But, but it just they've been looking for this consistency from those two guys, and it's just not happening. Well, I think they'd be okay. You wouldn't worry about that so much if you had Clay Thompson, right? Yeah, because because he he would cushion the blow a little bit. Uh, and if those guys didn't get it going, well, either Steph or Clay or maybe both would get it going, and you'd win some more ball games, be a little less pressure off them. What you see here is kind of exposing what they are. I like Wiggins' defense lately. I got to tell you that. I think he's been playing pretty good defense overall tonight, notwithstanding. And you know they've beaten some very good teams. But I think as this roster is constructed, as the way this team is, there's just only so far they can go with it. Um, I, I just think next year with a draft choice, we'll see what happens with Wiseman. Maybe they make a deal. And Clay Thompson coming back, and hopefully by midseason next year, he's back to being the old Clay. It's going to take a while. Uh, this is a team that's going to be a threat. They're going to be dangerous. But that's next year. This is what it is, right? Um, we've talked about all year. That's uh, they they go two steps forward, two steps back. Once they draw you in, all of a sudden they give you a reason to to pull out and and go pay attention to something else like a baseball game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they're trying to figure things out as far as rotation. I mean, Michael Mulder is getting a chance to start, and uh, he's showing that he could definitely shoot the ball. We knew that, uh, but he was drilling some threes. I mean, that was one of the positives of the game was the way Mulder played. But I think when he's starting, they kind of miss Ubre's defense because Ubre is really good defensively and yeah. you know his athleticism uh, because Mulder, I mean, I, I know he's a great shooter, but I don't know about the other parts of the game. 
Yeah, I don't know if he's a guy you can depend on as a rotational player for, for a, a season. I think when, when he's getting a lot of playing time, then your roster is a little thin, especially at guard. I think they need another uh, another point guard. They need another wing player. And, of course, they're going to need big men next year. And they're going all small. And that works against certain teams and, and not against others. Um, I, I think it's been more appealing to watch to see the small lineup of late. But against certain teams, they're going to get exposed. But, you know, I, I, I don't know what the prognosis long-term is for somebody like a Mulder. Uh, I just think they need better depth overall next year. I, you know, I, I think the one thing, the one revelation we've had from this season is the, the way Jordan Poole has emerged as a pretty dependable uh, offensive force off the bench. Uh, and I and I like him with that, that, that lineup that includes Oubre. I think Oubre has been effective coming off the bench as well. Um, but you know that 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 will be more important next year uh, when you're not going to be able to have Clay for more than 20 minutes for a while. So who's going to fill up some of those minutes and who's going to take some of the load off of Steph? It looks like Jordan Poole is ready to do that on a more regular basis. And you know he's he showed me this year too, Joe, that he's a little more creative offensively than I thought he was. And he's become a little more aggressive, and I think he's gaining confidence game after game. So that is, that is going to be an under-the-radar nice development for the Warriors going forward. I'm just not sure if they know what to do with Wiseman. You know, I, I, I guess, you know, you, there are players in this league, big men who take a jump from the first year to the second year. You hope that happens. But uh, I, I don't know if they really believe that's going to happen, and I guess we'll find out whether they believe it or not, depending on whether he's packaged in a deal. Uh, in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, it's really too bad that he's missing this time now. And I agree with you about yeah. Poole. I, I love the development of Jordan Poole. Uh, you know, he looks so fluid out there. Uh, that's been fun to watch. You know, they just didn't have an answer for Luka Doncic. And, I mean, most teams don't. I mean, he's having a great year. This guy is an all-star player, 39 points against the Warriors on 15 of 23 from the field. You know, his size, the way he can get to the basket, the way he can shoot, just so locked in. And that's a guy that, I mean, a lot of teams are going to have a tough time slowing down. Well, because of his size and because of his range, he is such a difficult cover. Um, you know, there, there are not a whole lot of players in this league who, who can defend him effectively. And like you said, I think they were very focused from the get-go to get off to a better start than they did against the Kings. And I was watching that game last night. And Dallas did come back, but the Kings did close it out. And I think that they were kind of smarting from that. And, and so they, they came out and they did a real good job uh, tonight in the first quarter. And they basically stuffed the Warriors back in a locker. And, and here's the thing that's troubling with the Warriors. You know, again, recognizing they're a 500 team, uh, you know, blowout losses and, and losing games in the first quarter. Uh, yeah. You think about the 53 point loss to Toronto. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, 39, 31, 30, 26, three times. They lost by 25. They lost by 22, 22, 21. I mean, and that's out of, what, 30 losses. About a third of them are blowout losses. That's a little troubling. So, you know, it, it, could, be, it could be one end of the scale or another in a playoff game. You're not going to get what, know what you're going to get with this team. Uh, but they're, with Steph Curry, they're entertaining enough that they've got a puncher's chance. Uh, and... And here's another thing. I mean, Kerr came out after the game, and what else could could he say? He said he didn't have the team ready to go. And, yeah, that's on the coaches to an extent. There's only so many pep talks you can give in the NBA, right? They play so many games. These guys have 
You know, a lot of these guys have played hundreds of games in the NBA. They, they know what the score is. Can they get their, their mind focused and their body locked in uh, to play what looks like an important, important game unless they, they don't really believe it in their hearts? I don't know. But there's only so much a coach can do to instill that in them. It's up to the players to get out there and get it done. And, you know, it's, it's the coach's fault, yes, but it's also the player's fault that when you're making sloppy passes, when you're missing layups, when you're missing wide-open jumpers, and you're not getting back on defense. So, uh, it, again, it just looked like they thought the tip was at 7-10 instead of 640. I mean, the thing that's weird about this team, too, is that, you know, like you said, blowout against a team like Toronto that's not even a playoff team, yet yeah. you play really well against Boston. I mean, you didn't win that game, but you played well there. You beat the 76ers. You beat the Bucks. You beat the Nuggets a couple of times. I mean, that's you know, right. you lose to Washington twice. Like, it's just so mm-hmm. weird that you just don't know what to expect out of this team. Joe, as I said at the start of the season or early on, they're going to drive you mad. <laughs> right. You can't. It's like nailing jelly to a wall, <laughs> trying to figure out what this team is going to do from night to night. And I'm sure it drives the coaching staff a little batty as well. Uh, but that's that's who they are. And we said it a million times that you know, just when you think they're going to be going somewhere, they take a step back. And tonight was the step back, but. You know, I, I think in the, in the end, it's not going to really influence their, their playoffs uh, chances. I think they're going to be in a playoff play-in game. It's a matter of whether you're going to be able to get to that 7-8 spot. And right now, they're, they're a game back, two, two back in the loss column, so they still have a shot. And they've got a couple of games against Memphis coming up. Yeah, I mean, this schedule, they got nine more games left. they got Minnesota on Thursday. That's on the road. Uh, they stay on the road for Houston, New Orleans, uh, they play the Pelicans twice in a row there on the road. Then they got OKC twice in a row and uh, Utah Phoenix and New Orleans again. I mean, three games there against Zion and the Pelicans. So, you know, that's really going to help determine how this ends up. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, New Orleans. Actually, they have a couple of games and OKC a couple of games. Their last game is against Memphis. That could end up being kind of an important game. Uh, that, that Minnesota game, oh man, the draft Knicks are going to be out on that one because we're talking about that that uh, protected top three pick, right? Right. Which is, you know, that that, that also depends on you know where they end up with the, the ping pong balls. I think it's a sixty percent chance the, the pick is conveyed and a forty percent chance it gets pushed back to next year. I mean, there's going to be all sorts of calculations on that. And in the end, it may not matter whether Warriors beat Minnesota or not, but a lot of people are going to be, you know, joking around thinking, oh, yeah, kick this one against Minnesota. It's okay. It's not going to hurt you in the standings. It might help you in the draft, though. Might want to think about that, huh? huh? <laughs> so there are going to be a lot of fans of the tank on Thursday against Minnesota, even though it doesn't quite work that way anymore. But, yeah, these are teams they can beat. We know that. They can, they've beaten every one of these teams, right? Although Phoenix is playing really well right now, so I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if the way they're going, if that's going to be one you count on them to win. They've got a home game against Utah. Well, they've risen up and, and beaten them at home. They've beaten the Nuggets at home, so possible they could win that game. Uh, but yeah, you're looking at the rest of the schedule and you're thinking, uh, you know, they can definitely finish about, about 500 and, and get to a seven or eight slot, maybe more likely an eight slot. I think that's probably the highest they can aim for right now. 
And then when you actually, you know, get out of that, if you're an eight seed, you know, if you actually gain that spot and you, you advance and you survive, then you're playing Utah, a team that's been great. But even if you had made right. it to the sixth spot, that's no picnic because that team right now would be playing the Clippers. So, I, I mean, <laughs> either way, I mean, it's just really, it's not a lot of fun. You, you might be playing the Clippers. You might be playing Phoenix. You might be playing a healthy Lakers team. Yeah. I mean, that's an abattoir in the Western Conference of the top, the top four especially uh, in the conference. So, yeah, good luck with that. I mean, we, we, we kind of all know what's going to be happening here. It's just a matter of how entertaining it's going to be, how interesting are the Warriors going to make it, should they make the postseason. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, probably we thought at the start of the year this might be a, a playoff team, and then, of course, Clay got hurt. And then people were thinking, okay, well, we don't know what they're going to be. I, I suppose they have an outside chance, but they didn't really know. And I, I think, you know, 60 games into the season, we still don't really know what they're going to do or what they're going to be about. So when it's 50-50 like that, you get a 500 team, and it's <laughs> let's put it this way. I'm not going to Vegas putting any money on anything the Warriors do. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, to me, Steph Curry's the MVP. I mean, I can't believe that he's not mentioned in a conversation like you were talking Crazy. about. Yeah, that that's nuts. He's the MVP because they're nowhere without him. I know that those other players that are you know considered for this are, are having a great year. I mean, look, I mean, Jokic with with Denver, and and you know other players that you might want to look at, uh, you know, at the top of the leaderboard as far as just scoring or anything you want to do as far as statistics or look at the Bucks and. And and think about uh, Anadokounmpo and but you know we saw Anadokounmpo uh, go down for a while and the Bucks played well without him so I don't know that any other mm-hmm. team could do what the Warriors are doing uh, when they don't have Steph they just look like a completely different team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are very few teams where you see as much of a drop off from one player. Yeah, and that would seem to me to be the definition of most valuable player. But what do I know? <laughs> you know, apparently, <laughs> you know these. These other players like Jokic, sure, they've been great. Antetokounmpo's been an MVP, but, uh, gee, I, I, I don't know this year how, how you look at it any differently, how you don't give Steph serious consideration. So that is what it is. Uh, you know, looking at the East just real quick, uh, Brooklyn clinched a spot tonight, and I think they're, they're, they're a team that's going to be peaking just right for the postseason. They're going to be very, very dangerous. And Milwaukee and Philadelphia, I think, are the other serious, serious contenders. Boston has been playing very well of, of late until they, they lost three in a row. They've been playing much better basketball. But I think the really, if, if you ask me to nail it down on the two teams that are a threat to win a title out of the East, it's Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Yeah, well, I mean, if the Nets are healthy, I don't see how they don't, uh, you know, advance as far as they, they can, you know, to the finals. Just because if they're healthy, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if they are. They could very well dominate in the playoffs. I could see that happening with the talent that they have if they get it together and all are all healthy. Uh, and I think that at that point, Milwaukee may be the only threat. Um, but I, I, I can see Brooklyn beating every single team coming out of the West. And I think, you know, for example, the Clippers are very good. Phoenix is very good. Uh, Utah, we know what they can do. Uh, the Lakers are the defending title and, you know, they presumably will have LeBron ready to go. They're getting healthier. Uh, Denver got to the Western Conference Finals last year. They're also all real good teams. But if if you ask me, if you got down to brass tacks, who am I going to bet to win in a finals? I would bet on Brooklyn. Yeah, me too. 
And, you know, last thing here before we finish up, I mean, I think Steve Kerr has been getting some criticism uh, this season. I, I don't see it. I mean, I think that I wasn't expecting much from this team. If this team makes it into that, uh, you know, play-in situation, I think that's pretty good without Clay Thompson. I mean, you, you go back to the beginning of the year and you think about what were their chances. They get into the playoffs. I mean, I give a lot of credit to Steph, but I think the coaching staff still did a pretty good job. They had injuries. They lost Wiseman, their number two pick uh, in the draft that was you know supposed to really help them, and he's been out here at the end. Uh, they weren't even yeah. really able to develop him, so I, I can't be that critical of what the coaching staff did. Well, uh, this may be the only podcast that isn't. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean – there are, and, and, and I don't think, you know, no, no coach is above reproach. No coach is above criticism. Uh, I, I think that in some cases they were slow to realize certain things about this team, to realize certain things about this rookie James Wiseman, who I think we were all learning about. Um, and, and, again, when you have played three college games, there's a lot to learn there. <laughs> you know, so as you go along, you find things, things out, and, there were things about him that became evident. Uh, he can't be a post player right now, classic NBA post player. And why would you want that in in the current NBA? Uh, there are things he can do in the open court that, you know, play to his talents better. And the other part of it is how you use Steph Curry, how often you use the pick and roll. I think those are things that you can dissect. Would it have made a difference in the standings altogether? I think the biggest problem uh, for the Warriors when you look at it is why they're not a better than 500 team is their inability to close close games. Yeah, they've had some blowout losses, but they've had several games they've absolutely kicked away. I'm thinking about four or five of them. Yeah, that would definitely make a difference. That would would get them out of that play-in situation. So uh, I, I think this is a team that should be a little bit better than the, their record, but at the same time they've had a, a lot of challenges this year, and some of it due to COVID, which is, you know has hit some other teams as well. Uh, you know, I think all things being considered, maybe maybe you look at uh, Kerr and the way this team's coach and think that if they'd uh, made some quicker adjustments, might have gotten a couple more win- wins, maybe. But I think the biggest problem is it's just these guys didn't handle close situations down the stretch very well in several games this year. I mean, the one in Charlotte is the one that still grinds my gears. <laughs> but yeah, but but there are other ones as well that. Uh, you, you say to yourself, you know, just make a damn layup, right? <laughs> They've and, missed a lot of layups this year, it seems like. I know, I know. That, that, you know, a lot of these guys, let's face it, a lot of these guys are terrible finishers at the rim, you know. So I know. I, I, I think that that's, that's a big part of it. And, you need, and listen, in, in crunch time, you want those guys who can finish the rim and draw a foul and make free throws. Uh, they, they just don't have those type of players uh, right now. That's one of the things they had, you know, when, as well as savvy and, and I think higher basketball IQ. That's been another part of this, this team that's kind of bugged me. And, you know, again, there have been stretchers where they've been out without key players for various reasons, including COVID. And, for example, Bazemar being out right now going through the protocol. That makes things kind of disjointed as well. So I get it. This, you know, Kerr has had a challenge on his hands to keep this team together and for the most part, he has. For the most part, this team plays hard. They didn't tonight. They didn't answer the bell in what was supposed to be the biggest game of the year. But really, was it the biggest game of the year? Because did they really have a realistic chance to get to the sixth <laughs> slot? I don't know. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not as hard on Kerr as, as a lot of people are. I, uh, I, but I, that doesn't mean he's, he's beyond criticism. 
Well, hey, look, he listened to us because we said that he needed to be more flexible about when he brought Steph Curry into games in the fourth quarter, and he listened because, I mean, he wasn't always doing it exactly at whatever, the six-minute mark. But but one thing I will remember about this season, Ray, is Bob Fitzgerald and us as well, anybody watching, I think when you got to about the nine-minute mark in a fourth-quarter game that was close, you were saying, three minutes to Curry. It's three minutes to Curry. I mean, Fitz was saying that, and it's like, how many, how many sports events have you ever thought about that where you're just kind of counting down to this one player who's going to yeah. save you? Yeah, that's why, again, he should be in, in the MVP consideration. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm convinced Steve Kerr listened to us. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, um, but it was, it was I, I don't know, causation is not correlation or whatever, but uh, it's probably just a coincidence. But right after we started talking about that, that's when he started using Steph in a more proactive manner. I mean, we've seen that several times since then where he comes into the game at seven minutes or eight minutes to go. You can't have a situation where he's coming in with 4.55 to go, no. which was happening. And, and, and that's another thing, and since we're talking about where you can criticize the coach and where they, they might have won a couple more games, that's definitely one of those spots where uh, an extra two or three minutes here and there for Steph might have made the difference, could have very well made the difference. And again, we're not talking about a play-in game at that point. We're talking about challenging for the sixth spot more seriously. So, like I said, to, to be fair, I think, Overall, Kerr has kind of held the thing together, and the team seems to be involved, even though they, they kicked it tonight. Uh, you know, who would be surprised if they didn't come out with a great effort in the next game? That's just the way they are. Oh, absolutely. Well, look forward to next week, Ray, and uh, I'm going to make a prediction. They're going to be 500 again when we get to next week. Somehow, I don't know you know, how many games are between uh, this podcast and the next one, but if it's an even number, then they're going to be exactly at 500 again when we do our next podcast. Well, that, that's where the chalk is. That's where the smart money is. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to zig just when you thought I was going to zag, and I'm going to say that the Warriors are going to finish two games above 500. Nice. Okay. They're good. Two games above 500. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly how they're going to do that. I just see enough wins in there that they can do that. All right, I'm holding you. We're gonna. I'm keeping this recording, so we'll see okay. uh, see how that works. Thanks a lot, Ray. Talk to you next week. All right, sounds good, Joe. Thanks for listening to the Dubs OT Warriors podcast. Join Joe Castellano and Ray Woodson again next week on the SportsVirus.com.